Welcome to season three of Full Court Press with Bonnie and Felix, a podcast by basketball fans for basketball fans, aka Toronto's number one NBA podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie, and I'm joined by my brother and the groom to be, Mr. Felix Alvarado. What's going on, brother? What's good? What's good, bro? Yo, it's been a hot, hot minute since we've you know, touch these mics, you know what I'm saying? I know it's been a minute, bro. It's too long now. I'm almost a husband. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. First things first on a serious note, okay? For our listeners that have been with us since day one, honestly, guys, we truly, truly apologize for our tardiness on releasing content and episodes, also known as the infamous pod fade. The last episode uploaded was back in May of 2022. And the culmination of events that occurred within our personal lives, as well as a lack of motivation on a mental capacity, were the pillars of our pod fade. The latter is what I can personally say is common within any creative endeavor. Whether you fit the profile or not, if you fall under the category of a quote-unquote creative individual that took a break or had a hiccup down the road, don't beat yourself up. Go at your own pace. Never tell yourself you're too old to make it. Never tell yourself you missed your chance. And never, ever fucking tell yourself that you aren't good enough. You can do it. Whatever it is that sets your fucking soul on fire. Hear what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, you spoke to me. I felt like I just entered your TED Talk. (laughs) You fucking inspired me just now. I liked it. So through constant self-reflection and self-realization, we're holding ourselves accountable. And in doing so, we want to thank our fans and our listeners for reaching out and checking up on us. We love talking about basketball. And we appreciate each and every one of you for sticking by our side. We also want to thank Hoopin, our partners from season two of the podcast, for collaborating with us and sharing our obsession with basketball to the world. If y'all love basketball apparel that represents your identity both on and off the court, be sure to check out hoopinbrand.com. That's H-O-O-P-N-B-R-A-N-D.com, which you can find in this episode's show notes. And if you're new to the show, do us a favor by following us on Instagram at fullcorepress.to. And while you're at it, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your shows. So with a new season upon us, and in the words of the great Kevin Garnett, let's get it. Let's talk about quickly the NBA landscape. Off-season moves, a lot of people already know the big blockbuster trades and pickups throughout free agency as well throughout the offseason. What was your favorite offseason move and why, bro? There was actually two, but I feel like only one, one of them we can go into depth because if you guys watch ball, and I know if you guys listen, I know you guys are watching ball, Malcolm Brogdon going to the Boston Celtics is a huge move. And I, I guess people kind of thought like, oh, how's that going to work with Marcus Smart? Or is that, is that Malcolm Brogdon better than Marcus Smart? No, I, I just think it's a double threat now. You have the defense, the reigning defensive player of the year and you have probably the most efficient point guard playing at literally the team that just lost in the finals. And I feel like that's just a missing piece. I know they're going through a lot with the coaching change and whatnot. So um, I think that's another aspect they have to, like another obstacle they have to tackle throughout the season, um, being able to doing this without their head coach that they went to the finals with. But Marco Brogdon gives another, another edge. And then, you know, Blake Griffin's a veteran presence. But they literally kept the same core and they can definitely run it back, especially adding Michael Brogdon. But the one I'm more exciting about, excited about is um, the Hawks with DeJounte Murray. Just, you know, people, again, kind of like in a situation in Boston, you have two point guards and it's like a, on a scale, you know, when we were a Raptors fan and we were trying to see who's the starting point guard for the Raptors when it's between Jose Calderon and TJ Ford. 
<laughs> it's kind of like that shit, you know. They're 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 just equals in my in my opinion. I just see them as equals because any of them can take the helm, but they're nobody's gonna take a bench. Nobody's gonna take the bench seat because it's gonna be one and two, Dejounte Murray and Trey Young. So that's their one and two punch. That's their backcourt. People's gonna think, oh, how's that gonna work? They're both ball dominant, especially. I mean, they're both actually to the peak. That's that's their that's who they are fundamentally. But I don't know if you know this, and I you know I I kind of I. Trey Young as a whole, I knock him more than I give praise. And here's a stat that actually blew my mind, bro. This stat blew my fucking mind. Because I said, if I had to pick between two, two of the players who can be uh, the, ball, the, the main ball handler, the primary ball handler, will be uh, DeJounte Murray. Just because I feel more comfortable having Trey Young running around like Steph Curry does off the ball. And he can create his own shot. He doesn't have to be a catch and shoot, but you can give it to him to a spot where he has the matchup that he wants. That's why you do the switches when he does the, the you know pick and roll off the off screen pick and roll and all that stuff. But here's a stat about Trey Young that I didn't even know, and it just makes sense. It just basically adds another element of why I think that John Dejounte Murray should be leading, uh, should be the primary hot ball handler. Trey Young on catch and shoot three pointers on last season is forty eight percent, forty eight percent from three on catch and shoot, bro. Oh my god, that's fucking amazing, man. And then you know. We're talking about there's DeJounte Murray, there's there's uh Trey Young, and you have John Collins, and then you have a Clint Capella, you have Hunter, right? So these guys are so like you you have a good core coming. And I, I I'm very eager to see Trey Young playing off the ball. And I think he can do it. I think he can do it. I think <laughs> I knock I've been knocking this guy for so long about like a like a like like he's just like a mock up of uh, Steph Curry, but I think he can basically be what I just said, a mock up of Steph Curry. He'll be a, I think he can really thrive being off ball. Word. Okay, so your favorite offseason moves are both Malcolm Brogdon and DeJounte Murray to the Hawks. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston and DeJounte Murray to the Hawks. Word, word. All right, bro. I'm going to go to the west side real quick, and I'm just to talk about the one guy. He's going to be your guy, actually. He went to your team. He went to the Dallas Mavericks. They needed a big man. They picked him up. That's your boy, Christian Wood. Christian Wood to the Dallas Mavericks, the go-to big man for the Mavs right now. The reason why I say he's like my favorite offseason move, bro, is because number one, he's a rare perimeter shooter. That's a center or a power forward. In the last 109 games that he's played for the Rockets over the last two seasons alone, he shot 38.4% from the three-point line with last season shooting from 39% above the league average. Number two, his spot-up shooting ability. It's going to enable the Mavericks to go five out when they need it. Not only that, he's capable to shoot the ball in motion, which allows him to either relocate to a spot behind the three-point line after setting an off-ball screen or even cutting through and shaking down in the corner as a drive develops or even spacing out, you know, after a rim roll. And then in addition to that, he's going to take all these centers that we've seen out of their comfort zone. Christian Wood is more capable of, of attacking the basket off the catch than a Maxi Kleba, than a Dwight Powell. He's the only one who can actually handle the ball properly on the perimeter compared to the other two big men they currently have on the Mavericks roster, right? Missing JaVale McGee, bro. And JaVale McGee, true. In addition to that, whether it's him using a shot fake to throw off the closeout or quickly going off the catch, he can take advantage of slower bigs. And he's also savvy at using his size when attacking a smaller defender, making the closeout by getting to his open spot. And he can get to his open spot because he's a dope, dope shooter. And lastly... One thing that makes him so, so good as an offensive player is his dynamic ability to attack a defense as a pick and pop threat. So he can convert the catch and shoot three at a very high clip. And 
at the end of the day, he's gonna he's gonna make the defense pay for loading up on Doncic. Everybody's gonna double team, triple team on Doncic while he's driving into the paint, and then you have Christian Wood just chilling by the three point line. And he can make those shots. So yeah, man, I'm gonna say Christian Wood is definitely my favorite offseason move. You know, I, I like that you said that because you said a lot of great things about Christian Wood. I think the one thing that he forgot to say, or you didn't really touch upon it, is that playing with Luca will make his whole life so much more easier. You're- God damn right. And his stock will definitely raise up. I just think the pick and roll is going to be a breeze with him. And, you know, that's Mavericks a whole... I've been saying they've never done any moves. And this is probably the biggest move they've done in the last five years besides signing Luka Doncic. Um, it's a perfect pairing for him. Perfect pairing. I think it's a more more younger Kristaps Porzingis, to be honest. Because he's doing he can do everything that Kristaps can do, but more um, more efficiently. The only thing I have on him is he's injury prone. And hopefully that that's not the case for this year. And this year, we'll see what he can do because it's, it's a stack. The the West is pretty stacked up, especially the, the same thing with the East. So no easy games now. So we all know Luca is going to keep going, uh, game getting better and better. Let's see where Christian was in his ceiling is because you never know, right? You know, you can, that's that's the NBA. Something that can give you one, two, three good seasons and then somehow they disappear. So uh, I hope that's not the case with Christian Wood because that's my boy Luca, you know? The next question I have for you, bro, is which teams do you think can shock the NBA this season? Go to the Eastern Conference. Which two teams in, from the Eastern Conference do you think can shock the NBA? I think the Raptors. Like, I don't know if you guys... Yo, East right now is super stuck. If you go to the East, if you run down their top eight teams, Bucks, Boston, Miami, Philly, uh, Nets, Cleveland now with Donovan Mitchell, Atlanta Hawks, I just said with DeJounte Murray, and then you have the Chicago Bulls. They didn't really do much, but they look like they're going down a spiral in my opinion but for sure those first seven teams I named I feel like that's a lock right but just don't be surprised if the Raptors are still there the Raptors might make that eighth spot I, I before the Lonzo Ball thing the injury and then the way Chicago didn't really do it, any great uh, offseason moves I kind of don't think they're going to make the playoffs I think the Raptors are more fundamentally sound they just added Rico Hines if you guys don't know who Rico Hines bro like I just found out this guy does amazing amazing off uh, off season runs and mostly the players that are involved are the rap from the Raptors organization, but also mixed up with people from the Clippers, people from Portland, people from Golden State, whoever the whatever the case may be, they're playing intense runs and the Raptors are again so much praise from all the players around the league. I believe Paul George said that oh I would be I, I would be so I would be surprised if they not if they didn't if they don't start off hot uh, hot, right? I know, like I said, preseason means nothing, but they're like 2-0. and They came back from Boston um, down like double digits. They came back in overtime to win. I know it means nothing, but that just shows you the resilience. The, the whole team as a whole, the Raptors, there's no ego there. They kind of play like a like a less talented Spurs organization if you want if you really want to compare because every player on that team is, is valuable and they can bring something, a, a different edge. So it's always the next next man. That's you know next man up. That's literally the Raptors next man up because they don't have superstars. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody on that squad is a superstar, right? And Scotty Barnes, I think Scotty Barnes is gonna improve drastically. In my opinion, and also if I was gonna make a guess, I also will guess that OG Ananobi will also improve drastically, just just because you know you he's basically fighting for a position with Scotty Barnes, right? You can't let Scotty Barnes show you up. So that's, an, that's another good edge where I think it might uh, be favorable for OG and Anobi. And Nick Nurse is going to do his thing. So don't be surprised. I think that's 
am I going to say they're going to win the championship? I don't know if that's the question, but they're not winning the championship, but they're definitely going to be in there. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish six, seven. You know what I'm saying? The highest. I think that's the highest. Another team, again, I don't know, Hawks, like I said, they're a dark horse. I want, if they get their things going between Jurante Murray and Trey Young, it's going to be fucking dangerous, bro. John Collins as well. He's getting better every year. Hunter, he's been amazing. He's been, he's been gradually getting better. And I just think hopefully Clint can be healthy. That's a dark horse team. You don't want to place that team in the first round if you're a championship contender. You know what I'm saying? You do and you don't. I always do that. You know, like you don't want to face them because you're, uh, your fatigue might get hit f- faster if you go later down the rounds. But you need those teams to, to build championship character like for you to go through that, right? So Atlanta Hawks and the Raptors are my surprising team in the East for sure. Word, word. No, that's a good take, bro. Because, you know, like looking at, especially with the Raptors from their 2019 championship campaign till now, they're still able to keep those core guys and just adding role players that are like effectively helping out the core dudes. We keep saying it. We keep saying like the Raptors are, if not the number one organization for player development. Oh, yeah, 100%, bro. Like, look, if you go around the league, you'll find how many Raptors players are that they came from the development system that are, are pretty, uh, you know, uh, big key people in a, in a championship contending team, like Norman Powell. Norman Powell for the Clippers, you know? You can even just, you can also add in general, like, Jakob for the Spurs. Pirtle, be honest, yeah. Pirtle's been a, Pirtle, like, uh, Spurs are not a championship contender, but he's been really great, like, I didn't pick him up last season in fantasy, but the fantasy numbers, if you look at fantasy numbers, he was really great last season. Super, super low-key. So, yeah, you're right. Chica Perto, Siakam can be another. Siakam, for sure. He came from nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, I'm, I'm going to touch upon the West side, who I think can shock the NBA. Um, the two teams I'm choosing from the West. The first one, I'm going to lean more towards the, the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. The reason being is because of Zion. Z- Zion is back, bro. He's looking good. And like with all the fucking shit that we've seen this offseason in the summer saying he's fat, you know, you've seen that ad of of him like playing video games and he was so botched on that couch. He looked like he literally looked like a blob sitting on the couch with that controller in his hand. And then we see him doing windmill dunks here and there and then him getting criticized for not even playing. You know what I mean? If he could still do that because he's still, you know, nurturing his foot and like healing and shit. I honestly think the revenge tour for Zion Williamson is going to happen this season. The only problem is for guys like uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, those guys, they're going to have to find a way to like obviously share the ball because offensively, they are gifted. All of them are gifted for the exception of Jonas Valanciunas. I'm not dissing your guy like that, but I'm saying of those, obviously of those four okay. options, he would not be the number one option. No, I'm no, saying, no, 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 no. Right? But I'm saying that like, Ball distribution when it comes to the Pelicans now, they are fucking free. Willie Green has another chance as a head coach to redeem himself. You know what I'm saying? Because the impressive run that they had last season, that was incredible. And it's like a Cinderella story in a way. A lot yeah, more better than the Timberwolves. 100%. You forgot, you forgot the MVP on that team though, Jose Alvarado. <laughs> That's our son. That's my son, bro. Our son, yeah. He's, he's going to bring it into the playoffs, yo. Zion Williams is going to be second to him. He's a pickpocket. He's a pickpocket. So yeah, I have, I have the Pelicans there. And then my second team that I think can shock the NBA, and this is a quick shout out to my boy Ryan over here. <laughs> it's going to be the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings. I know a lot of people have been shitting on the Sacramento Kings. And yes, they haven't made 
a playoff appearance since 2006, if I'm not mistaken. But the reason why I'm going with the Sacramento Kings is because the selection during the draft of Keegan Murray selected fourth overall, and now having Mike Brown as the coach. Mike Brown, if you look at his, you know, his his coaching stats or you know his resume, it's not that impressive. But the Sacramento Kings are going to expect a lot from him because he's had multiple roles and multiple. He's he's essentially been part of two decent teams in the Golden State Warriors and the LA Lakers since his departure from Cleveland earlier in the late late 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz do you remember back when I believe it was the 2008-2009 campaign with Cleveland and near the end of the season, I, I'm not too sure if it was the end of the season, but LeBron LeBron was calling out Mike Brown saying fire this motherfucker. Oh, because he was saying, "Yo, like the offensive scheme is too simplistic. It's too simple like in playoff basketball, the defense can read that." Right? And that's the thing. Mike Brown's coaching style is very slow. It's very slow on the offensive end as well as on the defensive end. It's not that advanced as a Steve Kerr, as a Greg Popovich, as an Eric Spolstra. He's not in that tier type of coach, obviously, right? And with the players that he's being given right now in the Kings, with a guy like De'Aaron Fox who could literally you know, sprint to the basket, with a player like Demantis Bonus who could set the screen in a pick and pop or even pass the ball, that guy's going to get double-doubles easily. The question is, suppose the question is right now for the Kings is if Keegan Murray can show up and be the wing and defender that they need because defense wise, the only player that I can think of off the top of my head that's decent on defense is Davion Mitchell. Yeah. Keegan Murray's defense, we're going to have to see because obviously he's their new rookie, but that's pretty much it. Like they don't really have so much going on, but adding the Malik Monk, adding the Kevin Herter, especially with Malik Monk, the reunion with him and, and De'Aaron Fox, Fox, right? Right, that's going to be really nice to see that chemistry back up again. So adding that offensive threat of those three point shooters on the wings is key for them as well. But it's going to start with Mike Brown's coaching scheme. I think if Mike Brown, if Mike Brown fails this season, it'll be expected. But don't be surprised if they can even make the play in tournament, because I, I I truly believe that if Mike Brown can utilize De'Aaron Fox's skills, I want him to. I think De'Aaron Fox has the capability of becoming an All Star this season. I honestly think that the Kings could hopefully, hopefully make it through. But it's going to honestly be on Mike Brown's uh, system. So we'll see. Bro, I'm telling you right now, fam. Like, uh, like, shout out to your boy. But the Kings are furthest from my mind. From I do keep up. that I do think that Keegan Murray is an amazing, amazing draft pick. I just don't think Sacramento has a, ten, has a, has a, has a tendency to getting, to always ruining a good thing. And Mike Brown is not an elite coach. And I am going to give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's coming, like you said, the Popovich effect. You see what he learned from Kerr, whatever it was. I know he is a lot of, definitely a lot of soaking. And you, you won multiple championships with that squad. So I just don't think he's an elite. Like, he's not a coach. Like, like the stint with Cavs, it was, it was all LeBron, bro. Like, don't get, don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm, His thing mm-hmm. was just give it to LeBron and that's it. He has no coaching capability. Like, I am dissing because you need, obviously, you have some sort of coaching capability to coach in NBA. But compared to the rest of the, to the league coaches, the team, the championship contenders, even playoff contenders, I think he's not there. He's not even close. So this year, it's definitely his revenge season, trying to prove to himself. Um, the only thing I actually would agree with you is that he might actually, they might actually make the playoffs. And that's just... Specific. Oh, play in, play in, play in. Okay. They make the play in. And that's just totally off based on the fact because I don't feel like they need to tank they have enough young players to see what they have. 
see what they can do with that. So there's no reason for them to tank. I mean, maybe tank a bit, but they don't really need to tank that much, right? Unless, you know, you never know where the season is going to be. Midway season, you just never know if they're really, really bad and say, fuck it, let's go for the number one pick, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only that's the only benefit of Donald giving you because they see how they work with that team and if the team's showing them, okay, we can see what we can build for future, uh, for years to come, then they, they can make the play-in tournament or they could, right? Around the midseason, you kind of you can tell who's going to be tanking. So I think that's a better idea. But if they make the play on tournament, it's just because too many teams are tanking. That's my. If they can, if they can get forty take. wins, I'll be happy. They're not they making 40, forty wins, bro. They're not getting forty wins, bro. What? You're wild. You should be happy if they <laughs> even get. They should get twenty five, at least twenty five to thirty wins. That's what you should be happy about. Forty, you should be like. You should be celebrating going to, I don't know, CN Tower. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Go to the revolving dinner thing. I know the food's trash, but that's how you should be celebrating. Because they're not getting 40 wins. I bet my life on that, bro. They ain't getting no 40 wins. Especially the division they're in. Are you kidding me? No. Not even. A, not, not even. You're wild, bro. There's no way. No way, bro. You know how like Draymond Green was on the fucking the barbershop thing? The barbershop. Uh, uncut yeah, thing un- with LeBron, yeah. uninterrupted, yeah, uninterrupted, yeah. and and he said, "Yo, I don't get excited to teams against Sacramento." You know what I'm saying? That's exactly how everyone should view them until they do something until they do something noteworthy. Hey, this is Bonnie, co-host of Full Court Press with Bonnie and Felix. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Don't worry, we got you. Introducing Buzzsprout a user-friendly podcast hosting site. They have all the resources and tools you need to start a stellar podcast. Start with a free plan. And then if you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. You will get listed in every major podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and much, much more. Following the link in this episode's show notes, we'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. So join the hundreds of thousands of podcasters already using Buzzsprout and share your stories, your passions, and your voice to the world. Our final segment of the show, we're going to be ranking the top five players in every position from point guard to center. So we're going to start off with the point guards. Who's your one to five? How you want to go five to one or one to five? It's up to you, bro. Whatever, go, whatever floats your boat. Okay, let's go one to five. I feel like everyone knows who's number one. Steph Curry. Yeah, I got Steph at one, one too. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will say, hey, you know, when you're going by position, bro, we can always have a huge debate of who is the purest point guard. If you can count Steph Curry as a point guard or not, whatever. I know that's, that's a hot debate. Actually, all all around podcast world sometimes you know that's a whole thing they're talking about is he a point guard or not but for in this case that is a true position we're gonna keep it as point guard so Steph is number one for me Lucas number two three believe it or not it's Trey I have Dame at number four and number five for me is a tie between Harden and Kyrie but if I had to give it to someone I'll give it to Harden because I feel like he he is more of an impactful player at the point than Kyrie is Word, you know, you you, re, you literally took my list. I don't have to explain anything. Really? Yeah, bro, you, you took my shook. list. I saw your face. You got shook when I pulled four for Dame. 
Yeah, because I put four for Dame as well. Because everybody it. obviously dismissed Dame, and we already know what he's capable of. And we've seen the buzzer beaters, we've seen the highlights. This guy's lights out every night. Like, and you know, you just can't disregard him. But don't like, you know, but let's give a quick shout out to the up and coming guys, the young guns, you know, the Darius Garlands, the Ja Morants. Um, ja, quick question. Ja, top 10 player right now? Yes or no? No, not point guard, but top 10 player. Right now? Yeah. Ooh. Nah, bro, what are you even thinking about? Hell no. He's not. Not even. Don't even do that, bro. Don't even do that. ESPN has him as top 10. Are you fucking kidding what? me? What? He's not top 10. He, I actually have a hard time putting him top 15, to be honest. Word. I actually have a hard time putting him top 15. Top 20, I can go, I can live by. But top 15, I have my 15. All right, let me tell you my list for shooting guards. Okay, go. Uh, the top five right now for shooting guards, in my opinion. I have my boy Devin Booker, number one. I'm going one to five. So Devin Booker, number one. Number two, I'm putting Jalen Brown. Number three, I'm putting Donovan Mitchell. So I'm putting, I'm putting Brown over Mitchell. Number four, I'm putting Zach Levine. And number five, because I honestly think he'll, he's going to fucking break out this season and potentially also be an all-star, Anthony Edwards. So I have him at my five. So I have Booker, Jalen Brown, Spida, Zach Levine, Anthony Edwards. Okay. Is PG a, a, a shooting guard for you or a small forward? Because I have a shooting guard because that's his position right now. I have, it's, I have it's also a true position though. Yeah, that's true. Actually, because I, I don't have Anthony Edwards there. And you know what? Right? If I had to pick, and I was thinking about him, there's only two players I have above him where I feel like he needs to really have a breakout season for me to even put him in the top five. But I actually, I have no, I, I guess we're just one spot away because I have PG-13 at number two. Mm. Regardless of, I know Jaden Brown did an amazing, especially in the finals, he did amazing. That's why I have him at three. Those are my three. Booker at one. PG at two and Jaden Brown at three. I have Donovan at four, then five, Zach Levine. But if you put Anthony Edwards, he said if he has a breakout season, but I have him at seven, whereas I put DeMar DeRozan at six. Word. See, because now I put PG and DeMar in the next category for small forwards. Okay. I see. I see. For small forwards. Okay, I see. I feel like it's interchangeable, but I'm not mad at that list. But I would. Let's say PG to put PG out. Okay, let's do it that way. I'll take PG out my shooting guard. I mean, my at the two. I put everything you said except for the five will be Anthony. Uh, will be uh, sorry, Demar Derozan. Word. Okay, okay. I'm gonna move on to the small forwards. Small forward. What do you, what do you have? Number one, Kevin Durant. I don't care what any of the people are saying. He's still the number one forward, uh, small forward in the in the league. Nobody's touching him. Um, is he the best player in the world? That's a whole different conversation. I do believe he eclipsed LeBron. Right now, obviously. like, doesn't, And it, it shouldn't be a drastic thing. The man's 37, 38 years old. You know, he's He should be winding down to his career. He's not holding to the top spot anymore. But regardless, I've, I have LeBron at two. So, I have KD and LeBron at two. Uh, one and two. I have Kawhi at three. No matter what, I'm going to put Kawhi until, until Jason Tatum shows me something that I think I'm comfortable putting him above Kawhi Leonard. But as, as of right now, I don't put Kawhi, I don't, I don't put him over Kawhi. And now that I move PG-13 to the S small forward position, I have him over Jimmy Butler. And it's very hard. I think that's a, I'll take that as a hot take. That I actually have a high stock on Paul George, and I think Paul George will exceed this year. But 
and I think Paul George has more of an offensive arsenal than Jimmy Butler. And it's not it's not far fetched to say that Paul George is as great on defense as Jimmy Butler, or mm-hmm. as impactful. So I agree uh, with that. So that's my five. I have KD, LeBron, Kawhi, JT, and PG thirteen. Okay, see for KD and LeBron, I did not have them listed for a small forward. I you put, put them power K- forward. I put them, but power that's on, forward. but that's on the true position, yeah. bro. They're just that just in the air right now. We're playing position is basketball. That's they're not. That's on the true position though. So who's the your only, five? This is my five. Number one, I put Tatum because if we look at, he's the best power. He's the best small forward in the game right now. Not in the game right now, but like at Kawhi. number one. He's okay, fine. He's my number one. Okay, Kawhi is my number two. Jimmy Butler is my number three. Paul George is my number four, and Demar Derozan is my number five. That's fine. But Paul George yeah. is, a, is ahead of uh, Demar. No, no, no. Well, who's your who? Who you put number three? Jimmy Butler. I put Jimmy Butler over Paul no, George. So I put Paul, I put Paul George over Jimmy Butler, and I put Kawhi over Jason Tatum. Word. Kawhi, bro. Okay, fine. You can put Jason Tatum. You can put Jason Tatum, but Kawhi is way more defensively sound than Jason Tatum. No, and I agree with I that. Think, I think I agree has more. That. I think has more. Imp- I think there's more impact from Kawhi than Jason Tatum. So, all right, bro. Power forwards. Who do you got? I have Giannis at one, AD at the two, Cat at the three. Zion out of four I kind of feel like Zion can be interchangeable Because I feel like I'm putting AD out there Just for talent reason He's just not healthy I'm being serious We're just going through The vagueness of this Because we can go We can go so many Different ways with this Right Yeah yeah Just vague Just on paper alone I'll still put Giannis AD Cat Zion I think Zion can eclipse Cat Maybe this season And see if he, what he does And The fifth one It's hard for me it shouldn't be hard for you, because I kind of because you're gonna obviously have Kevin Durant and LeBron James in your in your in your list, right? But I don't, so my five is actually pretty tough. Like I don't know who's, and I'm gonna put Pascal Siakam as the five. But I wouldn't be shocked if like Evan Mobley emerges and he clips Pascal Siakam. And same thing as you, who's who's been showing me great things is Paulo Boncharo from the, the number one pick for Orlando I can't even say that Boncharo whatever his name is so he is yo he's big bro he's been using his body he's NBA ready that's that body's NBA ready so I want to be surprised for him to somehow have a breakout year and become the fifth best power forward because it's not that many lists I know you put Kevin Durant and LeBron James in that but if you put them out Look at the list of power fours. It's pretty yeah, thin. It's very, it's very slim. It's very slim. Like I for agree. for it's eliteness, eliteness. Like I'm talking about yeah. elite power fours. It's very thin. And it's just those four, in my opinion. Yeah, those four are interchangeable. And then Anthony Davis is already. Uh, what's it called? Anthony Davis is injury prone. So to be honest, we have three fully healthy elite power forwards, which is uh, Giannis and Cat. And then you also uh, Zion can be elite, but quote unquote he's elite. But we have to still physically see it for one whole season, right? Yeah. So exactly what you just said. Like I have Giannis number one, number two I have KD. Wow. Number three I have LeBron. Number four I actually have Pascal Siakam. I have him number four, and then number five I put Zion. No, you're yeah. wild, bro. You you can't put Siakam over Zion. <laughs> well, I did because this man made all team, and Zion only played one full regular season. Yes, he has all the talent, and that's but- wild. Nah, bro, bro. Yeah, we're talking about talent, right? So, and, and you know, on the floor, he's so more efficient as Zion. I mean, than Pascal. Zion doesn't have to do any spin move, you know. 
<laughs> Siakam does a spin on Zion. Zion's gonna move, move his hand and, and Siakam fucking flies. You know what I'm saying? Bro, I don't know, bro. I think that's kind of a wild hot take you just did putting Pascal over over Cat. Okay, I'll give you Cat because you see him as a center, but he's not a center this year, so I think you should change that. He's not a center. Because Rudy Gobert is a center this year, so he's not a center. So you should change that and Siakam should be out of your top five if you're going off that. Here's my question before we go to the last one. So you're saying Giannis is the best player in the world right now because you technically put him over Kevin Durant. Yes. All right. We can discuss that another day. Because I'll take his defense over KD's any day. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Take his defense any day. Okay, go for go for your centers. This should be this should be quick. Victor won an Abby. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Jokic. No I'm joking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jokic number one. In B number two, Bam number three, Gobert number four, Aiton. This is a tie for me, Aiton and Allen. And I don't know who, and I'm only going to give Aiton the edge because he's more offensively sound than Jared Allen. But like I said, don't be res- don't be surprised if Luca raises Christian Wood's stock and Christian Wood will end up being the fifth best center in the NBA. I have Jokic, Embiid, Cat. I still saw Cat. At the, at at the five, but obviously with Gobert on the Timberwolves, he'll he'll be moved to the four. Then I have Bam, and then I have Gobert. But if I were to redo that list, I would still have Jokic number one, Embiid number two, Bam Adebayo number three, Gobert number four. And I know you said for your number five, it's between DeAndre Ayton, Christian Wood, or Jared Allen. No, I said I said I said right now is between. Aiton and Allen. I just said, like, that's for sure. I just don't know, like I said, the Christian Wood is up in the air. I do think he's going to have a great season. How great it is, we'll see. That's true. Because as much as I like Aiton and as much as I like Allen, maybe it's just like bias on my end, but the center that I like at number five personally is Demantis Sabonis. Just because it doesn't matter where he's where he's been ever since his days in like earlier in OKC. Obviously, he didn't make a big name for himself, but he was okay. And then obviously with his presence in Indiana, the fact that he could be with another star center in Miles Turner at that time, you know what I mean? And then now he has the number one role as a center, center number one for the Kings. And, you know, he could give you those double doubles here and there. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, just because you say he's going to be center for the Kings, he's going. that's why he's going to show that he's going to be the 10th best center in the league because he's offensively sound. But when you think about centers, what do you think about, bro? Realistically, no, what that's do you think? fair. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you think? No, no, no. What do you think about centers? Seriously, all those guys I name, and I'm putting eight, ten, so six players I just named. They're all defensively sound, each and every single one of them. I just don't think Tomasa Sabonis is defensively sound. Oh no, I agree with that. I don't think he's defensively sound. He's defensively sound, but I don't think he's elite in defense. You know? I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, Jokic and and Embiid, they're MVP caliber players. Bam and Gobert, they're defensive player of the year caliber players. Same as Jared Allen. So I'm switching. Jared Allen is going to be number five or Aiton's number six just because I don't like Aiton's attitude. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Full Court Press with Bonnie and Felix. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at fullcourtpress.to and to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your shows. We're going to be ending off this episode with a new segment we're calling Felix's Hot Take. All right, bro. Give it a go. Okay, I think when LeBron passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he will be officially named the best player ever to play. But I don't put him as the greatest of all time. You get what I'm saying? 
I think people should start differentiating the difference between the best player of all time and the greatest of all time. Because hands down, LeBron is the best player of all time. If you look at what you want as a basketball player, you have everything. He's not a scorer, but he's going to be the player with the most points in the world, in, in, in NBA history. He's going to be number one in points soon, and he's going to be top 10 assists. And you already know the rest of the accolades that you have, right? So people always talk about talking about like stats and using that against Mike, right? But you can't do that, bro. If you're going to use all the stats in the world what LeBron has, you're going to use it as Mike, then might as well use the same shit about Russ and, and Steph Curry, right? These guys are going to go down to one of the best point guards in, in, in NBA history. But right now, if you look at the stats, if you look at the stats right now, Westbrook has more career points, more rebounds, more assists, more steals, um, more blocks than Steph Curry. But are we going to be are we going to be really on here on, on the pod and saying that Russell Westbrook is better than Steph Curry? Hell no. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So uh, LeBron's the best player ever to play in NBA history, but Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. So come at me. If that, if that doesn't make sense to you, come at me. I don't care. I'll respond. No, I got it, man. I can sum it up in one sentence. Two sentences for that matter. Michael Jordan is the GOAT and LeBron James is the BOAT. Best of all time. Don't kill me. That's a good one. That's a good one, bro. Yo, we should start doing that. Let's trend that. <laughs> He's the boat. LeBron's the boat. <laughs> Don't kill me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>